Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. I am not preaching this morning. Miss Tamara is going to, which I was here first service. It's an awesome message. Uh, but I just had a thought during first service, during worship that I shared with the first service that I want to share with you as well. And um, I, was on, uh, I was interviewed on TV this last week on Friday for an hour-long program. Uh, scary, super scary. Um, but what's interesting to me is they always say that TV puts on 10 to 20 pounds. That wasn't true for me. I look just as skinny on TV as I do in person, so in case you were wanting to know. But they asked a question that I started thinking about again this morning, and they asked a question about superheroes and their weaknesses. So Superman, his weakness is what? Kryptonite. Wonder Woman, it's being tied up by a man. Most ridiculous weakness ever. I mean, she could go toe-to-toe with Superman, and you put like a zip tie on her by a guy. A girl can't do it. A guy does it, and all of a sudden she's powerless. It's stupid. The Flash, his weakness is a lack of calories. So Jenny Craig is his weakness. Um, But the point in the question was, you know, what do all these heroes do with these weaknesses? And what's interesting to me is it's not the absence of weaknesses that make you a hero. It's acting in spite of your weaknesses. And this is why this is important this morning. The perfect mom is the imperfect mom who doesn't allow her imperfections to keep her from loving her kids. The perfect mom is the imperfect mom who doesn't allow her imperfections to keep her from loving her kids. We have this false idea that we got to reach some type of status as a mom before we can do it well. That's not true. That's a pressure being put on you that just does not exist. It is a myth. Here's the thought that followed up with that. Jesus, our measure of God's love for us isn't how you feel, isn't how you performed, isn't how well you've done today or didn't do today. In fact, I was making a grilled cheese for my family the other day, and I accidentally stuck my finger in the butter while it was cooking on the stove. I said a non-pastoral word while my finger was in that butter. God's love for me did not change in that moment because his measure of love was on the cross, and that does not change. He says, I love you this much every day. When you get it right as a mom, when you don't get it right as a mom, his love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think some moms need to hear that this morning, that God's not expecting you to be perfect. He's expecting you to love in spite of your imperfection. That's why I wanted to share. Now, Miss Flood, I got it right this time. Good morning, everybody. So I missed you. I have been gone a while. I missed the last two Sundays because we were on vacation for a week. Uh, We drove down to Florida on a Friday and got back just last Sunday. While you guys were praising Jesus last Sunday, I was stuck in an Indiana traffic jam. (laughs) It was a lot of fun. That's the vacation, not the traffic jam. But I didn't forget about you guys for a second. And I'd like to take this opportunity to say you're welcome for sending all the sunshine your way while I was gone. I was going to bring some back with me, but uh, we didn't have any room left in the car. It's funny how that always happens on vacation. Uh, but now I'm back, and I'm tanner than ever. Seriously, this is, this is where I peak. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I would say refreshed and well-rested, too, but I took a road trip from Wisconsin to Florida with a two- and a four-year-old. Um, Actually, they were super troopers, and they totally exceeded mine and my husband's expectations for how they would do with the long road trip and the erratic schedule, but they're still two and four years old. 
My son likes to dance fight, or as he says, dance fight. <laughs> and my daughter likes to lick everything. <laughs> like everything. If you want to see our vacation summed up in two pictures, I give you the following. Uh, first, we have this picture of Kyle and Tristan. Uh, notice the inimitable mixture of happiness and grim acceptance of one's fate on Kyle's face. <laughs> then we have this picture of the kids meeting Minnie. It's super cute, right? Everybody's happy. Dreams are coming true. But wait a minute. What's this? Enhance. 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 <laughs> Looks like somebody's missing his shoe. <laughs> it ended up being right behind us, but uh, don't worry. He kicked both of his shoes off the next time we were waiting in line. Uh, so it was fun, but a little over a week was just about right. At the end of it all, somebody missed their toys and their mermaid bed. I am, of course, talking about Kyle. Uh, let's stand and read today's theme verse together. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. You may be seated. So the past few weeks, we've been discussing the fruit of the Spirit in our series, The Breakfast of Champions. And we've covered faithfulness, peace, gentleness, and kindness. We've also talked about clearing out our idols so that we have room for the fruit of the Spirit to grow and how we have to have our roots in the Spirit to have the fruit of the Spirit. And today we're going to be talking about patience because I can't think of a better day than Mother's Day for this topic. And if you have children, you know why. If you're still waiting on children, you know why. Or maybe children and Mother's Day aren't really on your radar or all that important to you, but you have something else that's important to you that you're waiting on. There is a specific reason today's theme verse is Galatians 5, through 23, instead of one that focused directly on patience. And that's because I recently discovered when you truly have patience, it leaves no room for things like anger and resentment to crop up, and so much more room for the other fruits of the Spirit to grow. In fact, all of the fruit of the Spirit is intertwined, and we find that you really can't have any one of these without bringing the others along too. And the further we get into this series, the more overlap we're going to run into. You may have heard the saying, patience is a virtue, but these days it seems like it's not a very necessary one. We live in the age of instant gratification. Forget about snail mail, waiting for taxis, long distance phone calls, going into a physical store, or even making yourself presentable to go sit down and eat at a fast food restaurant or go out to the movies. We have instant streaming, email, Facebook, Skype, FaceTime, Uber, Uber Eats, two day or even same day delivery with Amazon Prime. While we were in the theme parks on vacation, and we only went for two days, guys, don't worry, we're not totally crazy, uh, we had fast passes to avoid waiting in long lines for rides and to meet the characters. Now, when I was little, if you cut in line, you got shunned for it. But at these theme parks, you hand the attendants your fast pass, and they show you to the front of the line. We could order food from anywhere in the park and pay for it ahead of time using an app on our phone. We didn't even have to choose an exact pickup time. We just hit another button when we arrived at the food stand to let them know we were there, and they instantly started making our order. Then all we had to do was pick it up at the special mobile order window when they called our number. So there's no waiting in line, uh, no having our order read back to us, no ordering, no exchanging of money, 
just hot, fresh food ready to go straight to our hungry bellies. So just about anything you want or need to do can be, comp can be accomplished and completely customized with the click of a button. We can easily trick ourselves into thinking we're pretty good at being patient. After all, since we don't have to wait on things too often, it's not that big of a deal to wait for something every once in a while, right? Well, just think of the last time your web page took more than a few seconds to load, or your order wasn't eligible for two-day shipping, so you had to wait a whopping eight business days for something, and you'll have your answer. If you want to know if you're truly good at practicing patience, have your patience tested. Patience isn't obsessively checking the tracking for your package, regardless of whether you get irritated when you see how close it isn't. Patience isn't sitting there with your foot tapping, arms crossed, checking the time every few minutes, thinking all the complaining things in your head that you're not saying out loud. That's just thinly veiled restraint. So a long time ago, I had this friend who would routinely get upset if conversation topics weren't going her way. Uh, so to explain, she liked to talk about her crush at the time, like nonstop. And I did not find him cute or interesting, so there was only so much I was willing to listen to before going in for the topic change. Unfortunately for her, this was the case with pretty much our entire friend group. But instead of saying, hey, I'm feeling left out because nobody ever wants to talk about boys, or hey, it hurts my feelings when you change the subject on me, she would say nothing. And so if she was having one of those days, we'd be talking, and then at some point in the conversation, she would just snap and say, well, this is just the way I am, and if you don't like it, then maybe we shouldn't be friends. And she would storm off crying, and we'd all look at each other and then run after her to go comfort her, find out what was wrong, and try to salvage the friendship. But in all fairness, and to give grace where grace was due, she was 13 years old. She was in the midst of puberty. She lived in the land of raging hormones and insecurity. There's a reason most of us probably remember that phase of life as the blunder years more than the wonder years. But if you're post-pubescent and still subscribing to that school of thought, please unsubscribe. I can think of no better way to hamper your spiritual and emotional growth. Ephesians 4.2 be always humble, gentle, and patient. Show your love by being tolerant with one another. Being patient isn't just about enduring or waiting without complaining. It's tied to love, humility, and gentleness. My friend wasn't doing anyone, including herself, any favors by shoving her feelings down for an hour or two before letting them explode in a cacophony of drama. That wasn't patience. It was just a fireworks show with a rain delay. Patience extends to how we treat others. It might be hard for us to hear, but when you lose your patience, you're not the one who suffers most. It's the customer service agent, retail worker, or server whose day gets ruined by your attitude when they're just trying to do their job. It's your children who learn to normalize dysfunction, yelling, and the blame game. It's your spouse, friends, coworkers, and acquaintances who get hurt when you snap at them. If you lose your patience to the point of anger, nobody made you lose your cool. You did that all by yourself. Proverbs 15, 18. Hot tempers cause arguments, but patience brings peace. It's just like when you lose your car keys for the umpteenth time and go stomping around the house, slamming doors and drawers looking for them. It doesn't matter that you had to leave 10 minutes ago, and maybe you didn't misplace the keys on purpose, but you still did, and slamming doors and drawers and running around blaming everybody else isn't going to help you find them. 
or so I've been told. <laughs> it's easy to be patient when we find the delay or problem trivial, but it's so much harder when something disrupts our plans. Sometimes, especially as a mom to two kids who can tear the house and all my plans to shreds in mere seconds, I feel like no matter how perfectly in a row my ducks are, nothing will ever go exactly according to plan. There is always going to be a should have, could have, would have. This was never more evident than on vacation. I did all the research, booked all the things, planned all the meals, packed all the bags, but I should have gotten Tristan some shoes with Velcro or laces so he couldn't kick them off. I could have avoided some dinnertime battle royales by bringing only bacon, chicken nuggets, and fruit snacks for the kids to eat instead of a variety of healthy food. What was I thinking? I could have avoided overpacking if I had just planned out what I was going to wear every day instead of bringing a lot of different things so I had options. Admittedly, you don't need a huge amount of foresight to prevent that last one, and you know what, there's just something that's really irritating about repacking all of your clothes at the end of the trip, and they don't all fit in the suitcase the same way they did when you got there, and you wore maybe half of them. But that's exactly the problem with all our planning. I mean, if I had known what I was going to wear, I would have just packed that and nothing else. But we don't know the future. It's so easy to be patient when you can see what's coming when you feel like you have some degree of control over the situation. But we usually don't have the level of control we think we do. If you attended Sunday school growing up, then you remember that Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you, so let's all praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, chin up, turn around, sit down. I had to do it. You might also remember that Abraham was a guy who struggled with both patience and trust in his relationship with God. Time after time, we see God make a promise, and Abraham's response is something along the lines of, that sounds good, and I do believe you, but if it's cool, I'm just going to go ahead and handle this one because I totally see where you're going with this. Spoiler alert, he did not see where God was going with this. For example, one of the things that God promises Abraham is his protection. Despite this, not once but twice, Abraham comes up with a convoluted plan to prevent his potential murder. Apparently, his wife Sarah is so beautiful that Abraham knows that after just one look at her, any ruler will want to kill him so that they could take Sarah as their own wife. So Abraham helps Sarah tell everyone he's just her brother, so that way he'll be treated with honor, given livestock and gifts in exchange for Sarah's hand in marriage. Can you imagine? Babe, I got it. Just tell everyone I'm your brother. People will treat me well. We can watch our wealth multiply before our eyes. I mean, you'll be living in a harem as somebody else's wife, and I haven't totally thought through what happens when it's time for us to move on. But hey, I won't be dead. And that's what's important here. It's a completely terrible and completely unnecessary plan. And unsurprisingly, that's not what God meant when he said Abraham would have his protection. And so God has to step in and clean up Abraham's mess. But before Abraham had many sons and his name changed by God from Abram to Abraham and his wife's name changed from Sarai to Sarah, he had no sons. Genesis 11:30. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. It's a cold statement of fact and a bit jarring considering this information 
is tacked onto the end of a longer passage detailing Abraham's family. We're introduced to his father, brothers, sister-in-law, and then there's his wife, Sarai, who can't conceive. It's blunt to the point of feeling brutal, but it's incredibly important information for us to have. Several times, God promises Abraham that he will have descendants. Genesis 15. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Uh, So first of all, in those times, it was custom that if there was no heir to an estate, the eldest servant would inherit. Second, this is the third or fourth time that God has promised Abraham descendants of his own, and he's still questioning God. But then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. Indeed, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. So Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord credited that to Abraham as righteousness. And yet, in the very next chapter, Sarah gets impatient waiting on God and comes up with her own plan to have the child she's been promised. And Abraham goes right along with it. I like how they blindly support each other, even though they are usually making things worse. They're not exactly contenders for power couple of the year. Um, And this is why your relationship goals should always include God. (laughs) Genesis 16, 1 through 2. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. It actually wasn't a totally crazy plan by the conventional and moral standards of their day. Back then, it was pretty common practice for a household slave or servant to essentially be maneuvered into acting as a surrogate if the lady of the house was unable to bear children herself. What makes it crazy is that it's not at all what God had promised them, and they knew that. But they go ahead with the plan. Hagar becomes pregnant and treats Sarah with contempt. Sarah complains to Abraham about Hagar's behavior, and Abraham tells Sarah to take care of it. Sarah decides to mistreat Hagar. Now, Hagar's mistreatment isn't elaborated on, so we don't know if Sarah was emotionally or physically abusing her. Regardless, it was enough that Hagar ran away. Abraham and Sarah's impatience fostered seeds of doubt in their minds. Despite all the evidence to the contrary, they didn't trust that God would follow through on his promise. Instead, they decided to fulfill it on their own power. They pushed forward when they should have held back and trusted God and waited on him. They made a mess of things and dragged Hagar right into the middle of it. Their trust was not in God, but in themselves. And we still fall into that same trap today. We project our own limitations on God, deciding that things are either too big or too small for him to handle, and then we take matters into our own hands. Maybe God says no or wait, but we don't like that answer, so we forge ahead. But just like Abraham and Sarah, all we get in return is pain, heartbreak, bitterness, resentment, and brokenness. Thankfully, God is loving, gracious, and faithful. 
He sends an angel to Hagar, and she returns and gives birth to his son, Ishmael. 25 years after God's initial promise and 14 years after Ishmael's birth, at the very time God promised them, Sarah gives birth to Isaac. So we can try all we want to force God's hand, but we are not bigger than God. When we see patience as waiting without complaining or throwing a tantrum, we're not really looking at it as a fruit of the Spirit, but rather as the bare minimum for decent human behavior. It's hard to see past all of our desires, stressors, and anxieties and wait patiently on God. And how can we be content to wait when we don't know if there will ever be a day when we don't have to worry about how we're going to make rent this month or if we'll ever get a chance to rest and have our own vacation or if that friend or family member will ever get it figured out and stop being an emotional drain on our lives even as we try to help and support them. If Abraham and Sarah couldn't be content and completely trust God while they waited patiently, even though God made them a direct promise and shared his plans with them, how can we wait patiently with so many unknowns without asking over and over again, is this ever going to happen for me? Usually, buying something sight unseen is a terrible idea. Even if they don't outright lie, sellers have creative ways of wording their ads so they can obscure the truth. So if you're looking for a house, something that says, in need of a little TLC, or fixer-upper looking for ambitious homeowner to put their own creative stamp on things, really means roach motel and total gut job. <laughs> Cozy means 200 square feet, so good luck finding a place for your kitchen table or a place to store your bulk toilet paper. Of course. Not everything in life reads like a real estate ad. There are many cases where we step out of our comfort zone and take a chance on something, and it works out in our favor. But even then, we tend to consider ourselves lucky or blessed more than faithful or trusting. Most of the time, taking a blind leap of faith just doesn't make sense to us. Romans 8, 24, 27. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. One vacation isn't totally relaxing or picture-perfect, when I'm getting frustrated that things aren't going according to plan, when I don't understand why I have to wait or know how long I'll be waiting for, I have to remind myself that it's not my will, but God's will that matters. We may not always know what his will is in a specific situation, and those reasons could range from us not listening to him not telling, but God's hands aren't tied by us. God is not limited by us. His will be done. Trusting God and submitting fully to his will is so much easier said than done. I'm reminded of this one part in the second book of the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where the main characters, four siblings, find out that the Christ figure Aslan, uh, the true king of Narnia, who no one has seen in over 100 years, is actually a lion and not a man. And one of the children, Susan, asks, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, says Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? 
course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. He's good. We can be patient if we can learn to trust him. We're going to close with it as well in just a minute here, but before I turn it back over to the worship team, I just want to take a minute to acknowledge all the mothers here today. And I'm not going to have you stand and do the applause thing. Um, What's fun for some is uncomfortable or even painful for others. I just wanted to say, as a mother who's beyond grateful to have two beautiful children that I have the privilege of raising and a third that I never got to meet, whether your children are on this earth or in heaven, or even if you're just hoping that this next cycle will be the one where you finally see that beautiful pair of pink lines instead of a cold, clinical, lonely one, God sees you. He sees your struggles, and he loves you. I don't know what the future holds for you, but while you continue to hope for what you do not have and wait for it patiently, I do know that God is not absent, and he will be with you to help through whatever comes. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but if we know the author of tomorrow, it doesn't matter. If we trust God, if we trust he is who he said he is, if we trust that he's near and that the Holy Spirit's within us, we can wait patiently. If we're following in God, trusting in the Lord with all our heart and leaning not on our own understanding, we can wait patiently with a spirit of contentment secure in the knowledge that he is faithful and he has not and will not abandon us. That's worship.